Monday, everyone. I am officially back in Austin after my two-month hiatus of being in New Jersey and New York and Costa Rica and back in New York and back in New Jersey. Uh, certainly been a long time coming, I guess, to be back here. And it's kind of funny because every time I run into someone uh, or message someone, you know, like asking to hang out, they're like, oh, I thought you moved. And that's completely understandable because I was away for so long that it's makes sense that people thought that. So anyways, um, it's definitely like a weird adjustment being back. And it was something that I was really scared about going into and, and still have some lingering jitters about, you know, navigating Austin as um, someone who's now sober and, you know, trying to find my groove which I'll touch on um, a little bit now, if that's okay. If you, you know, are not as interested in hearing a life update, I totally get it. I, you could just skip ahead and begin the episode with Elizabeth because it's such an amazing conversation, and and you definitely shouldn't uh, miss out on our conversation for the sake of me just talking about, you know, my adjustment and being back here but if you are interested in a life update I guess like one thing that's been hard and granted I got back last Wednesday uh so Wednesday the first and now it's I'm recording this on Sunday the fifth and I'd say like overall it's been good I went out on Thursday to um an event that I've been to many times before and felt completely comfortable being sober there, even though I don't think I'll ever go back to that event again, just because like it wasn't very fun. But it, I was like proud of myself for, you know, getting out of my comfort zone and, and, and going out on a night that I easily could have just stayed in and watched Lost. Um, so that was good. I think what I'm just having trouble with now, and if anyone is listening to this, you know, is sober or alcohol free or, I don't know, just has, can relate to this experience, please message me and I'd love to hear any advice or suggestions you have. But I'm already like a, a very, well, sometimes I can be very insular. And, you know, I, even when I was drinking, would be very quick to turn down a night out for a night of like staying in and, and watching movies um, and just chilling with Winky. But, most of those nights also entailed like a glass of wine or like three. And I know that that wasn't healthy either. So I, what I've just, I kind of have been struggling like to know what to do with my Fridays and Saturday nights. And I talked about this yesterday with a friend and he's like, well, like basically he was like, why don't you just go out and do things you like? Like, why does it have to entail drinking? And like, that's less of it. It's more of, I don't really want to be doing those things regardless of whether I have alcohol or not. And like, I kind of would just go along with, you know, going out on sixth street or going out on rainy or East side, like, especially if I didn't have, if I had firm plans, like I'll absolutely go. But if it just kind of like to go out for the sake of going out, I just don't want to do that, especially because it usually starts late, you know, people stay out late and like, I'm, I get tired. Like I don't, want to drink like two shots of just espresso just to be able to hang and I think it's just kind of finding that balance of knowing one that like staying inside is something I want to do versus something I feel like I have no other choice to do um so especially now that I'm you know in Austin in my one-bedroom apartment alone it's weird see like like I don't know I just am struggling with those nights of not having firm plans and having the plans usually be like texting a friend saying hey like want to go to the east side or like want to go to this bar 
just to kind of like have a night for the sake of, you know, going out because like, I don't really want to do that anymore, but I also do want to socialize. So, and this is like, I know just me, I'm sure a lot of people have struggled with this and I know there are worse things in the world, but I guess I just wanted to share all these things on the podcast in case a anyone has any advice because I would greatly appreciate anything that people you know can share that's helped them through these kind of lonely times but also you know if anyone can relate to this and also doesn't have the answers I hope that you can find solace in my feelings of like loneliness and confusion and just kind of being at a standstill. Um, yeah. So, sorry. That was kind of a poopy note to end on. I also don't like that I just said poopy on this podcast. Whatever. <laughs> and on a brighter note, it is like 71 degrees right now in Austin, which is wild because there was an ice storm last week. And I have such an exciting event that I'm going to today. If y'all remember my two episodes with Joanne, uh, Irizarry of A Safe Place Inside Your Head. She started a new company called uh, Social Club ATX and they are having a non-alcoholic rosé and oysters event today and um, I'm helping to host it. So I'm just so, so excited for that. I'm going to, you know, try my first non-alcoholic rosé, which is just everything I've been dreaming about. And yeah, I'm really excited to see Joanne and, and catch up and um and do something with my day because I haven't really done much aside from watching Lost. So if it also if anyone else has watched Lost, I just got into it and would love to chat about it. Um, okay, I realize I've been talking for a while now. <laughs> and again, this episode with Elizabeth is so great and she's just so awesome. So I will shut up and get to it. But yeah, those are some Sunday thoughts. Hope everyone has a wonderful week ahead and enjoys this episode. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Solace in the City. Today, I'm so, so, so excited to be here with Elizabeth Dopp, who is a sober content creator with like the best cheekbones I've ever seen. It's actually <laughs> wild. <laughs> Oh, well, thank you. I get them from my mama. <laughs> I'm so jealous. Um, my grandma has a great cheekbones and it did not pass through the genes. So I'd love if you could tell me a little bit about yourself. Where are you from? How old are you? What do you do for work? What's your story? Yeah, so I am 30 years old. I grew up in Bowling Green, Missouri. It's a small town about an hour and a half north of St. Louis. I currently work in marketing, which is so funny for being a sober content creator because I work in marketing for an entertainment district in St. Louis, which is highly based around, you know, alcohol. Um, and yeah, I am over a year sober. Um, yeah. Awesome. Well, congratulations on hitting that one year mark. I saw um, your like little sober birthday, which I, I plan on doing. Yeah. So one of my friends was like, you have to throw a party. You have to celebrate this. Document it for your TikTok. I I mean, I'm already just such a birthday queen. Like I celebrate the whole month. So having like another month to celebrate would be a great addition. I'm sure all my friends would love that. Um, yeah. not. So <laughs> I in one of the TikToks that you posted, um, you said something about how you quit when you were 29 and you were drinking sometimes, but then would sometimes have horrible experiences. And I relate a lot to that way of, you know, putting it. Like, for example, some people I've had on, some people I've talked to have said, you know, I was drinking every day. I was, you know, drinking in the morning and all of that. And before I quit alcohol, I would say, like, especially compared to, like, my peers and um, especially those that I live around in Austin, Texas, which is like the party capital of America. If anything, I, I think I drink less, <laughs> but it wasn't working. Whatever I was doing wasn't working for me. So I'd love if you could tell me a little bit more about your own story 
um, what it was like when you were drinking and then why you decided to stop. Yeah. So, um, again, I stopped at 29. I started drinking when I was 15. So 15 years of drinking, which feels like forever. And my drinking, like I said, sometimes I would drink, you know, every weekend, sometimes I could go without, um, the longest I ever went before I quit drinking was when I was pregnant. So that was 10 months, which I didn't even count as not drinking because I was pregnant, but I always struggled with getting alcohol out of my life, even though I knew alcohol was a problem. Again, I wasn't drinking every day. I wasn't always drinking that often, but when I drank the emotional, like toll that it would just weigh on me, I didn't, you know, I, when I grew up and I was 15, I didn't have anxiety and depression, but you know, life happened and I started to grow up and really feel things in my childhood that were never resolved and growing up just like struggles of life. I would have so much anxiety and depression and I had no idea that alcohol was causing it. You know, now that I'm a year without it, I have normal anxiety, normal depression, but nothing like I had before. And I always wondered why everyone else could drink and just have a good time. And for me, I was like a wild card. I said that all the time. I was like, oh, you never know what version of me you're going to get because sometimes I could be so fun. And if it, if I was around certain people, I could mask my emotions and how I felt and how I could control myself. And a lot of the times I would come home and that's when I would be crying or like reaching out and blowing up an ex, you know, that was the worst. I would always like hold on to my relationships and that would mentally weigh me down. And some people would, you know, look at me and think you're fine. You know, like I didn't think you had a problem with drinking. And it's like, well, you didn't see that side of me and you didn't, you know, see how I was feeling internally. Yeah. Wow. I can relate to that so much I mean I literally have screenshots of times I've woken up and it's just been like <laughs> from my like you know outbound calls to literally every yeah. person I've ever like hooked up with in my entire life and I'm yeah, like ever. what is this like I am literally yeah. psychotic um yeah. so I I definitely relate to that I'm, I'm curious and I I have like more questions about this but you mentioned that you, when you were younger, you know, you didn't really experience anxiety and depression. And then both of those kind of seeped into your life when you started drinking, I guess, like in your eyes, which came first, the chicken or the egg and like, or are you still grappling with that? Yeah, I definitely think depression was first and depression. I didn't know that I was depressed until I got out of it, which is wild because most people, when you think it's so obvious, right? Like you're not getting out of bed, you're thinking extreme depression. Um, I was constantly just sad all the time and I would have moments of joy, but overall I just felt like I didn't know who I was and my levels of like dopamine even, you know, like I wasn't experiencing things that would normally make me really happy. I had just been drinking so much and so depressed that I was just always down And then at the end of my drinking, my anxiety was so bad that I would just, I would just wake up in the middle of the night. You know, it didn't matter what time I went to bed. I'd wake up just riddled with anxiety. If I drank and went out and had a hangover, I would have anxiety so bad. I remember the day after, or the last night I drank, right? December 21st, 2021. I had to go to work the next day. I was in a meeting. I was so riddled with anxiety. I physically just felt disgusting. I felt like I was going to get sick. Um, so definitely depression was something that I noticed first and then the anxiety of just trying to like manage that. Got it. And so do you think like you were drinking to relieve that depression anxiety or do you think that drinking caused you to feel that way? Oh, right. Right. So which came first for that? Um, you know, I drank so much and it was so normalized where I grew up. Um, again, like I started drinking when I was 15, I went to college and I drank so much and I wasn't drink. I was drinking like everyone else, but it wasn't normal and it wasn't okay. Mm-hmm. You know, and then, um, I never stopped drinking when I got out of college. Like I kept that mentality. I kept that same like party, like, okay, I'm, I didn't graduate, but I'm still young. So I'm still going to party. And, um, Yeah, I think uh, drinking definitely, you know, caused this anxiety and depression. And 
once I started drinking more often and like growing up with that, like, I don't know, it was probably 2021 where I found myself, like if I didn't have a drink for a week, I would have this buildup of, I have to go out and drink. I have to release this. You know, I would be so anxious. Um, I still have that a little bit now, but nothing like I had before. Yeah. I, it's definitely, I mean, obviously, you know, alcohol is a depressant. And so if you are already feeling, you know, down in the dumps, you may feel a little bit relief that like initially after having that first sip, but ultimately it's just going to make you feel a whole lot worse. And like the anxiety is so real. And so also same with anxiety too. I don't think a lot of people know that, but like I have a lot of friends who would tell me, oh, I have it like social anxiety, so I need to drink. Mm-hmm. And it's like, oh, I hear that. I'm like, I don't want to be the person to tell them this. But, you know, that, yeah, you might feel that way at first with the first, like, second drink. But then your anxiety is going to, you know, increase after that. Yeah, the whole concept of liquid courage is just complete bullshit because ultimately it's just amplifying whatever your personality already is. So if you're already, like, socially awkward, you're just going to be socially awkward and drunk. Whereas, like... Yeah. <laughs> You know, oh, would be. I used to think I used to think I was so cool and I had so many friends when I was drinking and looking back, it was so cringe. I had no real friends. I was not the fun one. I was so awkward. I <laughs> like I am a very loud personality. So like when I go out, my sister literally said, Zoe, if there's anyone in the world who doesn't need to drink, it's you because you're already so embarrassing and loud. And no. so, like, I could, you know, be do karaoke and jump on a table and dance and, like, be dead sober. <laughs> and yeah, it just, I love that. I, do, I don't have that. I was actually out last night with my friends, and there's a live band, and they're dancing, and they're singing, and I didn't have it in me. I'm literally just just hanging out, having my N.A. Bush, uh, Bush N.A., and I'm like, okay. And I, I might have sang for a little bit, but I felt so silly. Like, I don't have that in me, you know? I think I'm just maybe little bit boring (laughs) no it's it's always just been a part of like like I get it from my mom but it's it's interesting like you know that notion of what you said with your friends saying like oh I I, like need a drink in order to go to this party it's like remove that if if going to this place is going to make you uncomfortable like why do you want to do it to begin with yeah (laughs) yeah no I feel that too you know I since getting sober I've had to just kind of decide what I really like and what I don't like, which is good. You know, um, I think before I would always go out to the bar just because it was easy. It was a great, safe place to drink. And now it's like, okay, well, what do you really want to do? Where do you want to go? What do you enjoy? And if you don't enjoy it, don't go. And if it's staying home and watching movies, if that's what you enjoy, then do it. Yeah. It, it's just like so much more self-care implemented in your life because finally you're like really making choices that align with what you want rather than what you feel you have to do because you're already going against the grain yeah yeah I agree so kind of going back to like the um topic of mental health and kind of something you said earlier about how you know you would feel like really sad one day and then get like a little um boost of energy or happiness and then like back to sadness and it kind of makes me think that maybe that's what you were talking about in a video where you said you used to think you know that you were bipolar and then um you suddenly realized that maybe it was the alcohol you know causing these ups and downs um so I'd love if you could talk more about that because I um as a quick side note can relate a lot when I was a sophomore in college I read or I saw a girl interrupted and read the bell jar so clearly I was <laughs> depressed um and in girl interrupted I think the person who goes in I forget I, it was a long time ago but um has borderline personality disorder and so like I did all this research on borderline personality disorder and was like I have borderline personality disorder like sometimes I'm happy and sometimes I'm sad which in hindsight is just like, no, you were, I was just sad most of the time. And then the times I was happy, like were random. And so I basically self-diagnosed myself to a psychiatrist partially. So I could, you know, I didn't want to be depressed because I didn't want to go on depression medications because I also had an eating disorder at this time. And I knew, you know, there was a possibility of gaining weight, which now I've been on SSRIs that was not a side effect for me. Um, so yeah, I basically self-diagnosed myself, which is scary. 
but when I saw that TikTok you posted, I was like, oh my God, I can so relate to that. So I'd love to hear your side. Yeah. So I have always, I don't want to say that I have always been in toxic relationships, but I've always been a toxic person in relationships, especially back before I wouldn't say now, but back when I was drinking. So really I would hear that I was bipolar from the people I was dating because, and, and I, I felt it too. You know, when someone tells you that, you know, constantly you start to believe it. So my biological father is diagnosed bipolar, but he is also an addict and he's been in and out of prison. So for him to have, you know, BPD and bipolar, it's just, it's really hard to know what is, what is what, and if he actually has it because he hasn't really functioned outside of, you know, the prison system. Yeah. So he is diagnosed bipolar. Again, we're taking that, you know, with a grain of salt, but then I would be dating someone and I was always overly like lovey. And if there were problems when I wasn't drinking, I would just let them go. I was really codependent. So I had to be with them. I had to make it work. And then I would drink and I would get so, I mean, I would just, I was such an instigator. I would pick fights and I would never let it go. And, you know, I've been called crazy so many times in my life. And I know that feeling of, I can still feel it now when you're drunk and you just, you can't stop and you keep going and you keep fighting. And one thing about me is like, it was always hard to describe, tell, you know, relate this to someone else or um, describe it to someone else. Cause I knew that wasn't who I was when I was sober, but I would get that way when I was drinking and people around me would be like, well, you can't drink. Cause this is what happens. You know, you're going to fight, you're going to have an episode. But then I was addicted to alcohol, not like physically, but psychologically addicted. And I had to go back, you know, I was young and everyone was drinking and I had to drink too. And I would have episodes, but then I would look up bipolar and I'm like, man, you know, it's a spectrum, but I don't really hit all of these, but everyone tells me I'm bipolar. And I think I'm kind of bipolar, maybe I'm bipolar too. And I still haven't been to a doctor and, um, you know, but I did quit drinking and I haven't had an episode, you know, so that's enough to know. I haven't had these arguments, but they were definitely triggered when I was in a relationship and when I was drinking. That's so interesting. It's almost like, you know, having the ability to research and self-diagnose gives you that cognitive dissonance Mm -hmm. of being like, well, it's not necessarily the alcohol because, you know, WebMD says (laughs) this and, um, also with like a family history it is possible so even though people in your life are like maybe you know cut back on the drinking there is that added like but what if it's not the drinking I'm gonna lean that way yeah and And I had did I had tried to quit um back in 2019 for like I think it was three or four weeks for someone I was dating because I had had one of these episodes where we had fought and it was like we were gonna break up and the only way we're gonna stay together is if I quit drinking and that worked for a couple weeks and then I went back And, um, you know, I think these episodes and these fights were just a form of self-sabotage too. You know, when, when great things happen to you, you just want to push them away. You don't feel worthy of them. Mm -hmm. So I think these episodes were just me just, you know, maybe realizing that this isn't who I really want to be with and just self-sabotaging that, you know, relationship. Yeah. I can, I can totally relate to that. I'm curious. So you started drinking, um, or sorry, you stopped drinking in, December of 2021, what were some of the first like mental and physical changes that you noticed um, once you started living a life free of alcohol? Yeah. So I quit in, yeah, December, 2021, December 21st, 2021. And I actually had COVID when I quit and I didn't know that I had COVID. So I found I quit drinking on a Tuesday. I found out I had COVID on Friday, Christmas Eve. (laughs) And then, um, you know, I had New Year's Eve hit and I was working in the service industry and I was just riding that high immediately of like, I'm not drinking, I'm not drinking. And it's really fun. Like it's a very powerful thing. And then, you know, after that, I would say the first month was really, really hard, you know, and I would tell this to anyone is it's going to get hard before it gets easy because I was drinking to numb out, to not feel, I thought I was just a party girl, but really it was just, you know, for, you know, self-medicating and, a way to escape. And I had to sit with those feelings, feelings that I haven't dealt with in so long. And anxiety was high, really, really high when I first you know, quit. Um, physically sleeping was really hard, but you know, the first month I will say was 
really, really difficult. But then after that, oh my gosh, my mood, I could sleep through the night. Like I said before, when I was drinking, I'd wake up with anxiety in the middle of the night. Um, I had more patience. I'm a mother. I have a seven-year-old son and I would never drink around him, but he would, he would see the, like me being hungover or just me just being irritable, you know? Mm -hmm. And, um, I just had so much patience and I don't know, you know, a lot of things, uh, quitting drinking was a catalyst that really affected everything in my life. But in the beginning, it was like sleep, patience. Um, my stress was decreased. My diet got better. Uh, my skin got better. Oh my gosh. I was like mm-hmm. not even walking my face for the longest time. I would come home after drinking and just go to sleep. And now I'm like doing my skin cycling. Um, you know, but those are the first things that I noticed when I quit. Like after getting through those first couple of weeks of it being really, really difficult and really hard, you know, I started to see some really positive changes. Yeah, the skin glow up is so real. Like I had the worst hormonal acne back Mm. in December and it's been a month. Granted, I was in the sun for like 10 days um, in Costa Rica, but like how nice it's like I can't remember the last time I haven't had a single pimple. It's insane. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and it's like so many things, right? Because it's like, yeah, you're getting better sleep. So your skin looks better. You're washing your face. Mm -hmm. You're getting better. Like investing more in like self-care. You talked about that earlier, but self-care is so important to me now. It's a must for my mental health too, not just physical, but mentally. Yeah. And then kind of going back to the mood, you said, you know, you haven't had an episode since you stopped drinking. I think that just ability to pause and, um, and not be reactive. That's something that I've personally noticed. Like my mom and I butt heads all the time and I've been at our childhood home now for two months and I'm like slowly losing my mind but I've noticed like she'll say something and if usually like you know we'd be having like glasses of wine watching a movie and she'd say something and I'd snap or vice versa and now it's just like I kind of just take a step back like breathe it breathe in and then realize that if I respond it's only gonna make things worse and that's just like incredible. (laughs) Yeah. Well, that's something too, is I was, you know, going back to like those episodes that I would have, I did a lot of reading when I first got, you know, when I first got sober and it's like, you don't have, when you're drinking, your awareness of consequences are so numb. And so now being sober, it's like, okay, what, what's going to happen, right? If I respond this way, if I'm angry, if I'm rude, for example, my baby daddy, he's you, he's one who would always like trigger me. And now I'm like, is it worth it? You know, do you have to send this text? Mm-hmm. Or do you just want to say, okay, okay. You know, you get to choose. You don't have to have that reaction, that big blow up. I absolutely, I, it's, it's like just having, I don't know. It's almost like time slows down. Yeah. Yeah, it does. Oh, I feel like I've gotten so, wow, it's crazy that you say that because I feel like I've gotten so much time back since I quit drinking. You know, I, again, I'm 30 and I started drinking when I was 15, but I went through my whole life just seeing people make these big milestone accomplishments and me just wondering like, well, why haven't I gotten it? And like, felt like my life was flying by. And now I'm just able to really appreciate things and the moments and the relationships that I have. And I've accomplished more in this like last year than I have my entire adult life. Oh, that makes me so excited. <laughs> yeah, um, it's very motivating. Yeah. <laughs> all these conversations of just like, like, uh, it's just such motivation for me. I'm, I mean, I just hit three weeks, so I'm like excited oh, about awesome. that. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> um, but now I'm like, oh, yes, like keep going. Yeah. Uh, and that's what I had. I had a lot of people, again, when I got sober, I went on TikTok and I had a lot of people who were like, oh, if you're feeling great now, just wait, just wait. It only gets better. That's amazing. So one thing I am very bad at is cooking and not only am I bad at it, but I just really don't like it. I know this is something I need to work on and I one day will, you know, really buy a bunch of cooking books and teach myself how to navigate a kitchen, but that day is not today. And so I am very thankful for Sakara because as a student with a part-time job and a um, podcast in a field placement, I don't have much time. And I know that's an excuse I was making when I had all the time in the world, but now I really don't have time. And so Sakara delivers fully prepared meals to your doorstep that are healthy, nutritious, and filling. So for someone like me who 
needs to literally have food placed in front of them in order to eat regularly and keep up with, you know, maintaining a health, both a healthy relationship with food and also just a schedule. Um, so Cara has been such a blessing and I am so lucky that I've been partnering with them for over two years now um, to provide you all with 20% off your first purchase. So if you're like me and are just not able to fit in time to, you know, make a meal or are ordering out every single day because it's easier but it's dropping so much money, give Sakara a try. The food's so good. I especially actually really love the breakfast. They have like really great muffins and things that um, are my personal favorite. And I also really, really love their probiotics. So two very different things, but you can order them all. Just use my code XOZOE. That's X-O-Z-O-E at checkout and I'll get 20% off your purchase. So give it a shot and let me know what you think. I'm curious because you mentioned earlier having, you know, like going out with your friends and like it sounds like your your social life was pretty packed uh, when you were drinking. So I'm wondering what were some of the reactions you got from the people in your life when you said, oh, I'm sober? Like, because I know for me, it's like a little bit of, granted, I haven't had to have these conversations yet, but especially in a place like Austin where people's social lives revolve around drinking from like 10 a.m. to 4 a.m. and just repeat, a lot of people's first thing is why. And then, Mm. you know, if oh, you don't need to stop drinking. Like, you're fine. You don't have a problem. Just take one shot, all of that. So I'm curious, you know, how your friendships like shifted if they did and just like the reactions you got when you first kind of, you know, held your ground and said, no, I'm, I'm not drinking. Yeah. So I think it's important for me to add that the friends that I have right now who I go out with were not the friends that I had when I got sober. So when I got sober, I had party friends who I thought were close friends, but they were not my friends. So I told everyone when I quit drinking, I think it was about a month in, I was like, hey, I'm not drinking, I'm not drinking. And maybe I had those conversations on the side, but then I started posting at a month in that I was not drinking. Um, I had one party friend who had told me, they were like, yeah, well, if you, if you're dating and you're not drinking right now, like you're not being your true self. Cause like, what if you start drinking again? And I was like, well, no, 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 you don't get it. I'm not, I'm not drinking again. Like this is the change. And, um, you know, I, like I said, I work in marketing for an entertainment district, but that's very much still the service industry. Like I'm very, I'm around, you know, I'm in bars, I'm in venues and, um, everyone took it really well. Again, that one party friend, but other than that, everyone was super supportive. I think, you know, a lot of people, when you tell them you're not drinking, they question their own drinking. Yeah. Being in the service industry, I don't think anyone was like, why? I think everyone's like, oh, that makes sense. You know, Mm -hmm. a lot of times people would be like, I never really saw, I didn't know that you had a problem. And, you know, I definitely had a problem. I, I think it might not be the same as someone who is drinking every day, but I had a serious problem with alcohol. And I think it was hard to explain that to people because they just didn't get it. A lot of people have the stereotype of someone drinking out of a brown bag every day, you know, just, just drinking all the time. And that wasn't me, but I definitely had a problem. And um, yeah, everyone has been really supportive. And the friends that I have now, they're friends that I met through work. And again, they are people who, um, a couple of them I knew back when I was drinking, but I wasn't close to them until I got sober because that was me. I wasn't someone who would go out of the way to make like deep connections. I was very surface level. So mm-hmm. if you went to party, I would go party with you, but I wasn't close to anyone. And now I work in a small group with like five other people and they're now my friends outside of work and I can go out with them. And they'll like, like for instance, last night I go out to the bar, they have an NA beer just waiting for me, you know? And it's just, it's sweet. They're supportive. I can talk to them about anything, but, um, you know, for them, it just makes sense. And I'll tell them stories about back when I was drinking and they're like, I just can't see you being that way. And I'm like, good. Cause this is who I am. Like, this is the version that I want you to know and see, but I used to be awful. I could never hold a friendship to save my life. I think it's, you know, interesting. You say that, and it, it almost sounds like you're like taking the blame of a lot of it when ultimately, 
it was out of your control. Like alcohol yeah. is a poison. It is an addictive substance. And I think people forget to rem- like forget that because it's just been so ingrained into our society. So normalized. Like the mommy wine culture is just an absolute like parade of, you know, it's just basically big tobacco, but with a different substance. And yeah. Did you see that TikTok recently of the girl who was like, is alcohol the new cigarette? I didn't, but I've, it's like in a lot of books that I've been reading. Yeah. And it's one of those things where, again, I work in marketing, so it's really wild because I'll promote it, but I won't drink it. Um, but we do, you know, there's like beer yoga mm-hmm. you know? and like all these things where it's like, well, let's just get alcohol and any kind of activity together and yeah. people drink and spend money, you know? Like, yeah, like there's like wine yoga, um, like beer marathons, like, and if you take a step back, it's, I, I was talking about this on like another podcast, but if you look at any other drug, it like no one is a quote moderate cocaine user or like sometimes I do math like that's just if you said that to someone they'd be like what the hell and yet alcohol is the second most addictive drug after heroin and it's now being offered after yoga classes which are like all about mind body connection it just complete it just doesn't make sense well that's what blows my mind too is um since I I was always fit and I always had trainers growing up but like I would back in like 2019, I was in the best shape of my life, but I was, I would go hungover to training sessions. Like, I mean, I'm talking like really intense deadlifting, squatting, bench pressing, hungover. And it, and it blew my mind that no one ever, my trainer at the time would tell me things. And I guess I just never really listened or never wanted to hear it, but he would go like, maybe, you know, you should cut back and alcohol is really like, um, slowing down your progress. And even now, like it's really, it's known and like, especially for people in fitness, there's a reason why bodybuilders don't drink mm-hmm. during, during prep, you know, and then they'll go back to drinking after. And it blows my mind, you know, um, even I have friends who drink and go work out, they'll do the 5am yoga class. And I'm like, you know what, you maybe shouldn't just maybe not drink the night before, because that's really going to hurt you. And um, I, I feel even now, like my working out and my staying active, I don't want to drink, you know, I mean, I don't, I can't, I mean, I don't drink anyway, but it's like, I don't have that urge. Like I want to get six to eight hours of sleep. I want to wake up, feel, you know, refreshed. I can't even imagine being hungover and doing this. Yeah. It's so true. And like the notion of sweating it out is just <gasps> complete bullshit because yeah. um, I was, I was reading a book and I always butcher the author's name. So I'm not even going to try to remember. Um, but it was just talking about that whole concept of, oh, like if you have a glass of wine and then a glass of water even ins out and you don't get hung over is like not true because you're still peeing it all out and you're peeing the water out and then your body, like your uh, the percentage of water in your body goes down. And then if you go out, like work out the next morning, you're already so dehydrated. You're like really putting uh, yourself in danger. Yeah, no, I agree. Yeah, blows my mind. <laughs> and then not to mention the fact that like I in no way, shape or form decided to stop drinking for like any reasons to do with like my body or like, you know, losing weight. But it is insane how I've like, like not necessarily just like lost weight, but like feel so much lighter. Yeah. Now I I have lost weight. Um, I, whenever I, right before I quit drinking, I was really, really bloated. I carried a lot of waste and a lot of weight in my waist. And now again, it's like, not just me quitting drinking, but it's me quitting drinking, sleeping, eating right, drinking enough water, like all of these things where I just slimmed down so much. Um, and I know that's not the case for everyone. Some people don't lose weight, but I think it's just making those like healthy lifestyle changes since I quit drinking that have really helped me stay in shape and feel active and have the energy to go to all these classes and do all these things and not just feel tired and have to take a nap (laughs) midday. but not every you know what I mean like it's not every day it's not one of those things where I'm just constantly tired and it's like a choice rather than a need (laughs) yeah it's a reward so I saw that you mentioned on TikTok going to meetings and how they've helped you on your recovery journey Um, but from what I can tell you started going to these meetings 
kind of like midway or partially through that first year of sobriety. Um, so I'm wondering how being a part of a community and specifically like a sober community has helped you over the past year. Yeah. So when I first was drinking, I was on my own. I had zero accountability. Just the, just the fact that I told other people that I wasn't drinking, I guess that was my only form, but I had started listening to podcasts and a sober girl's guide podcast. She had mentioned, um, someone named Jody was on there and she had mentioned that she was from, um, close to St. Louis. And I was like, Oh my gosh, okay, this is wild. And she does meetings. So I go to one of her meetings an in-person meeting. And it just felt wild to know that there were people out there who I thought like my story and my situation was so unique and no one would relate, which is hilarious now, because if, you know, you tell your story, I'm sure someone else is feeling the exact same way out there. And, um, I started going to these meetings and talking and community has helped me so much because sometimes I can be very selfish and I can be very me focused. And when I go to these meetings and I connect with someone, it just makes me realize, you know, I'm doing this for myself, but I'm doing it for other people. So I started going to an in-person meeting in Alton, Illinois, which is very close to St. Louis. And then I got the motivation to start my own meetings here in St. Louis. So I haven't hosted one in a while. It's been like a month, but um, I host them once a month, uh, St. Louis Sober. And I just love listening to people, you know, it's like a group therapy session and it's so nice and it's so crazy because maybe it's not alcohol, maybe it's drugs. Um, you know, it's all ages. Our youngest person was 22 and we have someone up to 40. So it's like, you hear all these stories and you can just relate, but, um, having a community has really made me feel less alone. You know, like I said, I felt like no one would understand me. And like, especially in my bipolar episodes, I thought, you know, I've been called crazy so many times and to have like a group discussion and talk about this and someone be like, that's not crazy. You know, that's pretty normal. Yeah. It's wild and it's validating, you know, my feelings feel validated and it's a good way to like hold myself accountable too. Absolutely. I mean, this podcast has, is like the main thing holding me accountable and like speaking it into the world. But at the same time, I do I, I do see the value in community and talking to people going through, you know, what you're going through. Mm -hmm. And um, so I think it's just a matter of like finding the right group of people. Yeah. No, I agree. And I found some, I went to a virtual meeting, Steph Sober Squad, and there were a lot of like, again, I'm 30. So there were a lot of young people in their young twenties and I couldn't relate to most of their stories but I like that too, because I, maybe I couldn't relate to it, but like hearing that and, and hearing their struggle, I'm like, okay, this is interesting. This is, this is something I never even thought about, you know? Yeah, absolutely. I'm, I'm curious because there's so much like diversity in the stories. Do you ever feel like, because one thing I've been asking um, guests on the podcast specifically for this, you know, sobriety series is kind of like how they defined alcoholic like if if they think it's sobriety is black and white because yeah. as you know so the sober curious movement gets more ingrained into culture and as people decide to stop drinking on their own as opposed to like hitting rock bottom and like needing to go sober and then like not even being able to smell alcohol and so I'm curious like on that spectrum is, is there any like ever any discourse about, oh, well, like you're not really sober if you're choosing this as yeah. opposed to being forced to do it? And so in my groups that I hold, the only requirement is that you have a desire to reevaluate your relationship with alcohol. So that could be like you're still drinking, um, which I think is, is, is healthy because when you put so much pressure on yourself to go all in or out, which of course I had to be in or out. Like I had to give up alcohol completely, but some people aren't like that, you know, and it can be very daunting and scary. Um, in my group, there's a lot of people who smoke weed and that's sober to me. I, if you smoke weed, that is fine. You know, I'm not here to judge. And if you, and sober to me is, you know, not drinking alcohol. Mm -hmm. And if, if you want to like get into drugs, that's your own, your own thing. But with my meetings, it's really, you know, the desire to reevaluate your relationship with alcohol. And I think you have to be lenient, you know, like I've heard so many people tell their story about relapsing and I've thought about this, you know, I haven't relapsed in a year and I'm not, you know, I don't want to say like, oh, I'll never relapse because it's definitely something, but a big thing that keeps me from drinking again 
is hearing other people's stories of being sober for a long time, going back to drinking. It was even worse than before. And now they're starting over, you know, and yeah. just hearing that is enough. But in my group, I don't think, I don't think there's anyone who everyone seems to be very open-minded, non-judgmental, which I think is, that's how you have to be, especially in sobriety, no matter where you're at and what you've been through, you can't be judgmental, yeah. <laughs> you know, you have to be open-minded. Yeah, I completely agree. And I think one thing I thought was interesting um, in, in the first episode I had on sobriety, I was talking to my friend Hope and she gave this story of like, she had been over a year sober. Um, she just signed a new lease to her house. She had a similar relationship to alcohol as I feel like I have where she was drinking in excess, but felt like one day, you know, there's always the possibility that she could drink again in, a, in like a healthy way and she said like you know one day she was celebrating the fact that she just signed a lease and she was at a dinner with her friend and the waiter came over and gave them small glasses of champagne because they knew they were celebrating and it was like very beautiful champagne and these very beautiful flukes and she kind of took a step back and was like I kind of want to drink this and I thought it was just so powerful how in her mind she was like that wasn't a relapse because I chose it like it wasn't I, it wasn't like an all or nothing situation, you know, having to go back to day one. She says, I still consider myself over a year sober. Oh, and yeah. I just love that reframe of like, like a relapse sounds like a failure. Whereas like if um, you're doing something to choose, if you're choosing to do something. That's and a you, powerful thing to be yeah. so self-aware to see it. Yeah. I don't, I think also sobriety is so personal, personal. I think a lot of people feel obligated and, um, to, you know, go off the reactions of others. And again, if you're having someone who's like, if you drink, you're not sober. Um, you know, hearing that story, I can relate because I too sometimes think like, man, I've done a year, I've done this work. I could drink, right? There's nothing stopping me from going to the store and <clears throat> getting alcohol and drinking again. But I just know I'm not mentally strong enough to have a drink to have a couple drinks, you know, I was never able to moderate. That Same. was a big problem that I had. So for me, it's like, all right, are you willing to step back into that? Cause you know, it's a slippery slope, you know, it's, it's not going to end well. And I have to remind myself that because when you're again, people places things and you're around people and I'm in bars a lot and you just see it and it's like, man, yeah, I would love to be, you know, a little drunk right now, but then it's like, okay, but then you're going to be hung over tomorrow and mm -hmm. you have to 7 a.m. workout and you have these things and you don't want to be hungover. You don't, you're not, you know, you don't like that. And I just run through all of those, those possibilities when I think about drinking again. Yeah. And I think what's interesting is I went into this year thinking, okay, I'm going to, you know, not drink alcohol for at least a year sticking to that. But it, it almost felt like a punishment. And then the more conversations I've been having, the more books I've been reading I'm more like, wow, this is amazing. And I don't want to drink again. Like I went from being like, okay, maybe one day, like I'll hold on to that hope to feeling so good. And, and just, I feel like once you, you know, once you read something, you can't like unlearn it. So all that I've read about alcohol, all like the negative side effects, the cancers it causes, yeah. the sexual assaults it's responsible for, like, or not responsible for but you know involved in and like I'm like oh my gosh like what, what was I doing before whereas it's like a very much before and after thing of like I don't want to look go back to before yeah same I I don't either I am um, I love that you said you felt like it was a punishment because you know I used to think that being sober was a punishment, especially I've tried to get sober a couple of times before this most recent one. And I did it for other people. I did it for the wrong reasons. It was like something being taken away from me. And this last time when I stopped drinking, it just, I was looking at everything that had happened when I drank and how it was just hurting me and it was pulling me down and sucking me down. And, um, I, it's a reward. It's mm -hmm. literally such a reward to not be hungover, to have my life, you know, my life back, my body back, my time back, my health back, you know, all these things. Um, I think it'd be a punishment to drink, a punishment to myself to drink, you know? Yeah, that's such a, such a good way of putting it. So in 2023, I'm really trying to kind of amp up my health and fitness routine from a holistic perspective. And one of the ways I've been doing this is with Oro, which is 
an app providing a one-stop shop for different types of virtual fitness and wellness rituals. Um, I don't know if any of y'all are fans of the account Sweats in the City. Um, when I was living in New York, I practically, you know, it was practically like my Instagram Bible. And I just look up to Elizabeth and Dale so much as female entrepreneurs um, and just like what they've created. So Oro, if you don't know, was created by them. And so it has all of their favorite boutique fitness and self-care classes in one place. All videos are live, um, but they're also on demand. So you can watch it anytime uh, from anywhere. There's over 500 classes and instructors to to choose from. And they're all of my favorite types of classes like Pilates, bar, sculpt, um, and then more wellness things like meditation and sound baths. Um, Yesterday, I did this amazing Pilates slash meditation class with Natasha and it was exactly what I needed. It's freezing outside and I didn't want to, you know, pay for a day pass at the gym. And so I'm just so glad that I have this app. And again, it's also really cheap. That is like the best part. I was paying for class pass previously and it's like, okay, you, you know, pay a certain amount of month for a certain amount of credits, but those credits don't, don't get you very far, especially in like a place like New York. And so if you uh, download the app, it's only $19 a month, but you can get $5 off your first month and a free week trial by using the promo code Zoe Skur. So that's Zoe, Z-O-E-S-C-U-R, all one word, and you'll get, it'll be basically $14 for an unlimited amount of classes for a month and an extra free week. So highly encourage that you check it out. And if you have any questions, let me know. So I always wrap up with the same um, group of questions somewhat related to the podcast. Uh, The first one is, what's one thing in your life that's happened to you that's made you a stronger person today, not including sobriety? Wow. Oh, I'm going to get emotional. I'm going to try to cry. I actually was uh, tearing up thinking about this episode, like what I would talk about. Um, But it was definitely having my son. You know, I have a seven-year-old son who, you know, alcohol played a big role in that. It was, it was essentially a one night stand. I got pregnant. I was drinking and got pregnant. Um, The biggest accomplishment is raising him to be such a good person. And um, he's very aware of my sobriety, right? He's very been involved again. He's seven, but we're very open. We talk about everything. And, um, I think just, there were times when I would question if I was a good mom and there's times when I do now, but it's, it's so different. And I just feel like such a good person and, and seeing the joy in him, that's really my biggest accomplishment. I love that. And I mean, it's, it's silly for me to even say this because I mean, I'm single, like there's, there's no baby in the future for me, um, in the near future. But I think a huge reason that I'm really excited about being sober is that I think it will make me a better mom. Like I never want to wake up and feel regretful for yelling at my child because I had a little bit too much to drink. And that's a big reason I decided to become a therapist and a huge reason that I, really want to stick with this, you know, sober lifestyle is because I've obviously experienced my own, you know, um, like seen how alcohol affects the people in my life and how, you know, they act towards me. And I never want to inflict that on another person, especially one that like wasn't Mm. literally a part of me. So, you know, I feel that too, because my son never saw me drunk or drinking But he definitely, you know, suffered in other ways. Like if I, when I was young, I would always, you know, get babysitters and that enough is enough, like shame and guilt to make me never want to do that. You know, like I have a lot of guilt of like things I did, but, um, I don't, I have a lot of like quality time with him now. And that is actually really important to me where before I don't think it was, Mm -hmm. you know, I wanted to be out or I would put, you know, other people in my relationships before my son, And now I know that he feels loved and he feels, you know, all, all of the love that I give him, he's aware, (laughs) he feels it. That's amazing. I'm curious, like, and this is again, a tangent, but I'm curious how like you see yourself. I mean, granted he's seven, so it's a little while away, but like, you know, when his friends start drinking and like how you're going to approach alcohol with him 
knowing your experience with it, but also knowing that sometimes like putting a restriction on something can have the opposite effect. Yeah. So we talk about it now. Um, you know, when kids are young, they'll hear something. So he's like, I never want to drink. I never want to drink. And I know that's going to change. Right. Because since then he's been like, well, I want to have at least one beer. Like I want to try it. And, um, like, again, um, I'm in St. Louis, his dad is in my hometown Bowling Green. So like an hour and a half difference. Um, but he's, he spends a lot of time in Bowling Green and that's like, that town is so small and I know he's going to get involved and he's going to drink and he's rowdy. Like, I just know his personality. I think, um, showing him by example is like the best way because I can't control anything he does. Um, hopefully I give him enough knowledge to, to be responsible you know, of course, in the back of my mind, I'm always worried because he's going to have, you know, my DNA and my traits and my, you know, personality. And I worry about him. But yeah, I think uh, I definitely want him to feel like he has control and like he can make his own decisions. And I'm not going to say he can't drink. I just can't, you know, like it's, yeah. I think you have to go out. I think you have to experience it. And again, some people do it really well. Some people can moderate. Some people can be really healthy. I just wasn't one of those people. Yeah. So, and having that like open communication, even if he's seven now, like, yeah, I think story times too, you know, like even just talking about why I don't drink or things that happened to me, you know, back when I was in college, I had a lot of really crazy experiences. I went to the hospital out, off of alcohol, like maybe telling that story will be enough, you know, not even necessarily setting rules, but just sharing my story with him. Yeah. I think that's so powerful. Next question is, do you believe everything happens for a reason? Ooh, um, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if I believe that uh, everything happens for a reason. Oh, because that's, you know what? I've experienced so much in my life. If everything does happen for a reason, what's the reason? Yeah, what, I'm still what? waiting for those reasons too. <laughs> yeah, show me, show me the good, uh, the good things. Uh, a lot of lessons, life lessons, but um, I don't know if everything happens for a reason. I Yeah, I get such, I think you might be the only person I've had who said, I don't know, because usually people are either like a, firm yes or firm yeah. no. Oh yeah. I had my uncle recently who is sober and leads sober groups. This is my, bi my biological dad's side. He was like, you should have no regrets. And I'm thinking what? <laughs> like I regret. He's like, no, it's just led you to the person you are. And I'm like, yeah, I'm missing something here because I regret a lot Yeah, <laughs> I can take and do a couple things over. Yeah, yeah. I, I could definitely relate to that. I'm like, I don't think the butterfly effect needed that one thing to happen. Like, I'm done with that. Do you have a favorite quote or a mantra that you live by? Ooh, ooh. Um, so this is like for my drinking, right? Because I say this all the time and it's not something I necessarily live by, but it's something like that's like I refer to my sobriety as. But it's like I didn't get in trouble every time I drank, but every time I got in trouble, I was drinking. Yeah. And so that is like a quote that I'm always thinking about when I think about drinking. Um, and, you know, it's so silly, but maybe it's not silly to everyone. I don't want to offend anyone. But, you know, AA has a very big saying, like the one day at a time. And I hear it all the time, but it's it's kind of like that where take it day by day, you know, yeah. like stop thinking big picture because that's going to like just overwhelm you and bring you down. Just take it day by day. Yeah, I've I've gotten that one. Um as an answer, but I love that, the first quote too, because it, it does kind of put things into perspective of like, when you think of, you know, oh, I, like, I don't always like feel like shit when I drink, but like all the times that I've been feeling like shit, it's because I was drinking. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what do you love most about yourself? Ooh, <laughs> I feel like my ability to bounce back you know, I've had a lot of setbacks in life and where I am now, I'm really happy. Um, you know, I think there are a lot of times in life where I could have just given up. That could have been the last thing, you know, I could have been overwhelmed and just given up. But um, yeah, I think I bounced back really well. It's a great quality, especially um, with this topic, <laughs> like the ability like, to just change your life around is I think the biggest form of bouncing back and resilience. Yeah. Um, and my last question, which is the name of the podcast, is how do you find solace in the city? And the city can be St. Louis or it can just be like, you know, more spiritual concept. 
Yeah. Um, well, I'm also here in the city in St. Louis. Um, so my son's 18. So this is like, this is my happiness. This is my happy place. Um, finding community, you know, we talked about that earlier. Um, finding people in whatever kind of community you're looking for, whether that's sobriety or just, you know, like-minded people, but creating a group where you can go to and you can express your feelings and you can have someone to, you know, just talk to. I think that's important. Yeah. I love that. Well, Elizabeth, thank you so much for coming on this podcast. Thank you for like... having me. This was amazing. Of I'm glad course. we finally got this worked out. Finally. I know. I'm happy you found your computer. <laughs> yes, I have it. I'm good. <laughs> Where can everyone um, follow you? Uh, keep up with your own sobriety journey. Yeah. Um, you know, if they want to reach out and ask questions, how can they contact you? Yeah. Um, I'm on TikTok at Elizabeth Dopp, um, on Instagram at Elizabeth underscore Dopp. And then I also have a sober Instagram, St. Louis sober. Amazing. So yeah, if you're in St. Louis, definitely be sure to check that out. And, um, I love that it's all about, you know, reevaluating the relationship with alcohol, because I do think a lot of people are doing that, even if they're not, you know, posting yeah, sober TikTok curious, sober. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. Open to everyone. Amazing. Well, thank you again and bye everyone.